All right, welcome in. It is a Monday. Good to have you with us. Anything going on out there? Feels like a slow day, right? Not really. Man. You know, there are certain days, Steely, where it feels like two hours is forever. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering, how on earth am I going to be able to find enough stuff to talk about to fill two hours of airtime? And then there are days like today. Where it feels like two hours is a drop in the bucket <laughs> yeah. compared to what you need to adequately cover everything. It's like putting uh, Thanksgiving leftovers in the microwave and going like, 40 seconds should do it, right? That's how it feels like today. Um, normally, I bring a bunch of audio to the table, and we play maybe 75% of that. Sometimes we'll play every clip, but most times we leave a lot on the table. Because the text line is so good. We've got guests. We're going to have Jesse Crittenden on today at 135, OU Insider. Today, I prepared like three clips. That's it. Because I thought, there's not going to be time for any audio. Unless you have just like an unbelievable audio clip, then uh, there's just not going to be time. So here are the two we have. We might as well get them out of the way. This was uh, Jeff Lebby last night uh, in Starkville, Mississippi. For a long time, State was a, it was a great, cool, awesome place to go to school. Cool is State. Swag is State. And we're going to bring it right back to where people are Now, you think that got a good response. Wait till you hear the one that really got him going last night. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. I think Zach Selman had a cowbell, too, right there. In that oh, clip. man. So, how about that? Well, um, we, we kind of felt like this was going to happen. Do you remember being on these airwaves after the Kansas game and saying, you know, for whatever reason, it just feels like Jeff Levy may not be back? Uh, I don't now, remember saying those exact words, but... I do. <laughs> and it just like, felt look, like, I don't know. Eventually, like, this was not going to last long, one way or the other. Whether, whether it was this offseason or next offseason, maybe maybe at most two years down the road, Jeff Levy was going to be a head coach. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. And it was, look, it's a good job to get. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Starkville, Mississippi, and, you know, people tell me the facilities there are really great. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to win in the SEC. Very difficult to win going to be hard for Oklahoma to win. Now, I think they will, but like I said, man, you're moving up to the heavyweight division now with Ollie Norton, Frazier, Foreman, all the greats. You it's, know? It is a tough, and it's going to be a very tough job to have in the new SEC. And that was my instant reaction. And I would say the Mississippi State rumors started swirling About mid last seriously week. in the early portion of last week. Monday, Tuesday was where it kind of became apparent, okay, Jeff Levy is a serious contender for this job. Now, the way I look at it, Steely, is you have Oklahoma and Texas making the move to the SEC. you got a 16-team conference next year. Mississippi State has already been a very tough place to sustain a winning culture. I think that only gets more challenging as you bring in two of college football's most historic programs next year in the SEC. And so, look, I wish Jeff Levy all the best because I have absolutely nothing to say, nothing negative to say about the guy. I think he's a great offensive mind. I think he was over-criticized by OU fans at times 
But I think on the whole, what you got out of him over his two years as Oklahoma's mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, at the very least met and potentially exceeded expectations. They had a really good offense this year. Yeah. They did. So they I, have some look, of the play calling in Lawrence and Stillwater, you know, I get why – uh, you know, the fans are upset. OU fans, guess what? I've been doing this since 1983, and the coordinators get criticized on both sides of the ball. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, fairly, sometimes unfairly. But some of the play calls were uh, were questionable in those games, and they maybe were not um, aggressive enough, you know, and particularly, I think, in Lawrence, in my opinion. But overall, the offensive numbers are excellent. They're really, really good. Now, look, you compiled some of those numbers against Arkansas State and Tulsa. But for the most part, the offense is really good. But I would like to see Parker, and I don't know how you feel, them to be able to, again, get more physical in the run game. I'm not a fan of that tempo. I think it creates a lot of false starts, rushed plays. I don't mind him playing tempo some, but I I don't know. I I just – I hope more than anything else they get more physical in the run game. Well, it kind of for OU it depends on who the next hire is, right? right. And we'll, I, I'm sure we'll dive into that conversation. I have some intel that I can throw out in that capacity, but again, I, I wish Jeff Levy all the best in Starkville. It feels like he's got his work cut out for him. It'll be, a, it'll be a tough job. He's and he'll I'm sure he'll have a nice money pool with which to recruit assistants and assemble a staff. But even so, Starkville is not the easiest place in the world to recruit to when you're talking about players, prospects. And again, in the SEC, when you think about how many nationally elite, well, maybe elite is the wrong word, so many nationally recognized programs make up the upper echelon of that conference, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, throw OU and Texas into the mix, Ole Miss. A good year at Mississippi State in the new SEC is probably seven wins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a great year is like nine and three. That's a great year at Mississippi State. Always has been. But I will say this, and I think he's a good offensive mind. I think he's very creative. The numbers were really good for the offense. It was the defense, again, it was the issue – uh, the past couple weeks with these run fits that have not been good at all. The defense regressed some late in the year, and a lot of that's injury related. But they, you know, they they just looked like they were out of position a lot of times. You can't give up forty five to TCU. Here's my deal on Levy, though: Is he going to be? Does he look like a head coach to you? I didn't think he was that good with the media personally. I mean, I'm not saying he was horrible. I didn't like the smug attitude after, you know, well, it's my grandchild. I understand fighting for your family, but you're representing the University of Oklahoma more than anyone else in that situation when you're playing football at Owen, you know, on Owen Field. And I don't know, I just didn't like the whole thing with the Instagram. I think I thought that was kind of weak in my opinion. I understand again, family first, but you also have to be thinking about the reputation of your institution more than anything else in that situation. So, I don't know. Does he, he just – he's not that dynamic of a personality. And I'm not saying – look, Bill Belichick isn't either. But he turned out to be a pretty good coach, especially with Tom Brady and Lawrence Taylor. But I don't know. We'll see how it works out for him. I wish him the best. But uh, the only thing, Parker, that 
is a little bit, I don't know, scary is the right word, but it's, you know, you are changing up your offense to an extent. Even if you go to Seth Luttrell or Joe John Finley or Matt Wells in-house, it's still going to change up a little bit, right? And if you go outside and you go get Casey Woods or, you know, uh, Willie Korn or somebody like that, then you're, it's going to be a, a pretty major change, and you're heading into the SEC. Does that worry you at all? I'm not really worried about who the next OC is. I think Brent Venables and what he's built in just two years at Oklahoma, you know, this program is going to be alluring to a myriad of top-flight candidates. Now, I would lean towards the hire being internal right now. I think the odds are Oklahoma promotes from within. But you mentioned one name that I really, really like in Willie Korn. He's got connections to Liberty, Clemson. Liberty, Liberty, Well done. Thank you. Um, he's a former teammate of Miguel Chavis at Clemson, former teammate of Xavier Brewer, who's Oklahoma's assistant safeties coach as well. So you have those ties. He's ha- had nothing but success in his career as a play caller, both at Coastal Carolina and Liberty, I would be intrigued and quite compelled if they did if they decided to go that direction. But you got to think about this in terms of how do you maximize continuity? Because what you've instilled here in two years at Oklahoma, as far as scheme and linguistics and all of that, it, it it's not impossible to throw that all out the window and start from scratch as you transition to the SEC. But in the midst of a transition of that magnitude, it just makes it all the more difficult, right? And so mm-hmm. continuity is a valuable commodity in a scenario like this. And that's why I kind of think Oklahoma will tend in the direction of keeping this in-house just because you can change as little as possible. And everybody can stay familiar with what they've already been learning. Yeah, and, and would it be, would the Vegas favor be Seth Luttrell? And then it becomes, can you make Joe John Finley co-coordinator or, you know, give him some kind of promotion because he's tied with Jeff Levy? Maybe he goes to Starkville. We'll see what's going to happen there, right? You know, there, there I, are a lot of dynamics at play. Matt Wells is, is a qualified guy. They, I will say They can't this. lose Emmett Jones. I don't know if Emmett Jones could be coordinator, but they need that dude on the staff, yeah, period. And, and for, okay, Emmett Jones ain't going anywhere. Good. Don't got to worry about that. Good. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I would say Seth Luttrell is probably the Vegas favorite. However, I think Joe John Finley's case here is being understated. The top two candidates, and in no particular order, I think are Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley. So if it's either of those two guys, you can minimize staff turnover. Because think about it. You promote Finley to play caller. All you have to do is either hire or promote a quarterback's coach. You have Matt Wells on staff. Matt Correct. Wells could coach quarterbacks. Yeah. So at that point, you don't have to bring in anybody external. You can keep it all within the building. Now, if it's Seth Luttrell, that's where you have to shuffle things around a little bit because Luttrell has never coached quarterbacks. So he's either got to coach a position that he's never coached before, or you got to find a way for a guy that has only ever coached running backs and tight ends in Luttrell to fit into a staff and also make room for a designated quarterbacks coach because you can't leave the quarterbacks all by their lonesome. 
Correct. All right, we've got so much to talk about, and you guys are going to key the show again today. You've already got some great opinions uh, coming in. What do you guys think, again, about uh, what the Sooners should do? Jeff Levy did a really good job. The offense was was really good. I know Lawrence was disappointing. Stillwater was disappointing. So the play calling there, my opinion, you know, whatever that's worth, was shaky. But he overall did a nice job, particularly this year. We'll be right back. Yes, yes, it is. Hope everybody had a great uh, holiday weekend. BYU, why did you take your foot off the gas? Why? Here's an interesting question. Why? If BYU doesn't choke that game away, is Jeff Levy Mississippi State's head coach today? Uh, Very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. You know, and the timetable... Because we have the portal opening December 4th. You have the early signing period, December 20th. The Sooners know their bowl destination, uh, December 3rd, coming up, which is that a Sunday, I believe, right? So uh, a lot of things happen, and man, it moves fast and furious in college football these days. The offseason is, uh, you know, it used to be tumbleweeds blowing down the road back in the day when, uh, you know, when we were living in a proper place in society. Oh, boy. But not now. Here we go. Everybody's got to get theirs, you know. And it's it's a, it's a chaos. It's total chaos. But we'll see what happens. All right, 405-651-3439. Kenny Meyer Chevrolet text line. want to thank Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring hour number one, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. Jackson Arnold, good. His dad said Jackson plays at Oklahoma. Michael Hawkins, good. Kevin Sperry going to be good? Kevin Sperry's going to be – I mean, Kevin shoot, Sperry shoot moved Steely. to the state of yeah, Oklahoma, look, right? Yeah, look, anybody who is concerned about Kevin Sperry needs to remember and needs to understand – that kid's family picked up and moved mm-hmm. three months after he committed to be closer to the University He's of Oklahoma. He's basically so, been a lead recruiter for OU, too, in some ways. The Sooners could, at this point, the Sooners could hire Michael Eugene Steely as their next <laughs> offensive coordinator, and Kevin Sperry would not decommit. I could I could coordinate an offense on what NCAA kind of, football back in the day. What R- kind of offense would you run? Wishbone, of course. Really? Triple option wishbone, no doubt about it. Uh, I think the best news for Sooner fans was Devon Mitchell. Yeah. Right? Because that was the concern. And him being as definitive as he was, as early as he was, about not bouncing from OU leads you to believe that uh, what I have reported over on OUinsider.com as well as what has been uh, reported elsewhere remains true, and that is that Joe John Finley is unlikely to leave because – I'll tell you what Mitchell told me late Saturday night as the buzz was starting to get around that Levy accepting the Mississippi State job was no longer potential but imminent. He said, as long as Finley's there, I'm staying. And so with him reaffirming his commitment to Oklahoma yesterday, you would figure Finley is not bound for Starkville. And again, that's one guy that I, I expect to be a top contender as the next offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So what if uh, Mississippi State ponies up like five hundred thousand more dollars or something? No, uh, and look. So I, you're think, you're thinking it's pretty much a done deal, though. He, well, With what Mitchell said to you, and that means Finley, you're you're l- believing that more than likely he's staying at OU. Yeah, and look, I don't think Mississippi State has the resource, and I'm not trying to say they're poor because they're not, but like 
the resources at Mississippi State comparative to the resources at Oklahoma, right? You're you're not exactly on a level playing field there. So could Mississippi State pony up five hundred thousand extra dollars for somebody like Joe John Finley? I mean, theoretically, sure. And money talks, of course. At that point, like he's going to give it yeah, a second look, right. but. I consider that highly unlikely because any new head coach only has a certain amount of money that he can allocate to hiring assistants. And so if you want to pay Joe John Finley an obscene salary, well, that cuts out of your bottom line to allocate elsewhere. All right. So in-house, Seth Luttrell, Joe John Finley, Matt Wells, Emmett Jones, um, other guys. Kale Gundy's not coming back, people. I would love that, but it's not going to happen. And, you know, Kale did an unbelievably great job in the Alamo Bowl with Bob Stoops, you know, coming back to coach. I would love that, but that's not happening. I know a lot of people would love it to happen, but I just, you know, it's just Kale's on to other stuff. Uh, he's a great Sooner, always will be, but it's that's not happening. Um, other names, we talked about Willie Korn at Liberty, Casey Woods at SMU. Brandon ta- Marion at UNLV, that's an interesting one. Yeah, they've He's had got a, history at Tulsa and Oklahoma Baptist. Really good And there's a report them. out there, I don't know how credible it is, but there's a report that Oklahoma has at least touched base with Brendan Marion about the vacancy. Ryan Grubb at Washington, that, that's swinging for the fences. Maybe you make that call. Uh, Jeff Grimes out at Baylor. Text line's already saying Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, don't see it happening. Uh, Sean Lewis out at Colorado was really good at Kent State. You know, do you make that call? Uh, you guys talked about Sonny Cumbie. What about Sharon Moore at Michigan? Played at Oklahoma for two years. That's going to be a tough pull, man. Yeah, you get to pull Could him you? out of the clutches of a run at a potential national championship. And it's weird to say that about an alumnus because you would figure, okay, I mean, you got an opportunity to return to your alma mater. Of course you're going to do it, but – I, I think that would be a lot easier said than done with Sharon Moore at this point. Scott T. on the text line wants to know, what type of offense would Joe John run? So going back to a couple of things I mentioned at the end of last segment, here's what you must understand about Joe John Finley and the offensive philosophy that he would bring in theory to the table as offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He has spent four or three of the last four seasons, excuse me, on the same staff as Jeff Levy. Spent some time on the Baylor staff under Art Bryles alongside Lebby back in 2015, I believe. So he and Lebby go back a ways. And Lebby would have been, now that I think about it, no, I don't think they were members of the same recruiting class. I want to say Lebby was class of 02 and Finley was class of 03. But they overlapped for a significant amount of time at Oklahoma as students as well Finley was a tight end Levy came in to play offensive line ended up uh, suffering an injury that led him to begin his coaching career very early on so those two go back a long way Finley has kind of been Levy's right hand man both at Ole Miss in 2020 and at Oklahoma the last couple of years and they've worked in close conjunction here's what I was told last night I'll just lay it all out there I was told that Venables and Levy had a conversation. Levy let Venables know, hey, I'm I'm taking the Mississippi State job. And over the course of that conversation, Levy also told Venables that, hey, Joe John is somebody that I would trust to run my offense. And if you wanted to just promote from within, he would have my blessing to be the next offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I think he's ready. So that uh, – look – 
there's going to be a search, right? The Sooners are going to be deliberate in this hiring process. But that in and of itself, having Lebby's, uh, having Lebby to vouch for you as a play caller, somebody that has never before called plays. Finley's never been a coordinator. But for Lebby to stick his neck out and basically say, hey, Finley can run this offense. Like Finley can keep it all together and he can continue instilling what we have been instilling for the last two years at Oklahoma. That says a lot for Joe John Finley. And I would have no qualms just knowing him, knowing the way that he operates, uh, knowing how highly regarded he is across the profession. I would have no qualms with him being Oklahoma's next offensive coordinator. I understand some folks, and I've seen this already on the message boards, they're very apprehensive about that possibility because they're like, no, we want somebody that has called plays before. How well, do you yeah, have a yeah. first-time coordinator? Not only that, you're going into the SEC. You know, the the road is going to be a lot more rugged, more potholes along the way. And you've got a guy that I think everybody likes, you know, really popular sooner, but also a guy, as you mentioned, that hasn't called plays yet. So I can understand some of the anxiety there. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Will Jeff Lebby call the bowl game? Uh, no. I do not expect that. No, <laughs> I mean he's got like he's got to get everything organized right now because, like I said, December December fourth is the portal. Um, no, that would be an absolute shocker. We haven't seen any like goodbye message from Jeff Lebby either, right? To Oklahoma, not and no. You don't need that. I get it, Brent. You know, put one out, which is great, but I just wonder if the whole. You know, Art Briles is on the field. Art Briles. You know, if that kind of in some way soured Jeff Levy on OU a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying it was something that he just thought, man, this place sucks. But, you know, you could tell he wasn't too happy about it. And instantly we have the text line going, Joe John is Levy light. No. Randy from Miami said, oh, great. We have Levy's recommendation for a replacement. OMG. So, look, it, if you have beef with the Jeff Levy style of offense, Levy and the Jets, as mm-hmm. it were, then yeah. I, I understand why <laughs> you're not eager for Joe John to potentially be the next offensive coordinator. But even so, I think it would be foolish not to acknowledge that Levy's offense, it, 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 there was a lot more good than bad the last no, two years I, offensively the numbers, for Like I said, the numbers this year were really good. Dylan Gabriel, you know, has had a great year. Uh, miss some throws, yes, but he's also been tremendous for the most part. Jeff Levy, you know, missed some calls in my opinion, my, my amateur opinion in some of those games. It really was more of not being aggressive enough in those situations, but overall did a really good job, particularly this year. And you can talk about, well, you know, 73 on Arkansas State, 66 on, um, you know, uh, Tulsa, but look what they did to Iowa State, which is a pretty good defense, and some other teams as well. So, all right, we got a break right here. Stay on the clock, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A&M had Mike Stoops, and they went, or Mark Stoops, and they went for Mike Elko. That is the most A&M thing of all time. He might do a good job. Doesn't strike fear into anybody, but did a really good job, obviously, at Duke. Had A&M ties, but you had Mark Stoops who's winning at a basketball school so much that he's made John Calipari jealous. You had your man, and you A&M'd it up again. 
Stay with us. We're coming right back here in the home of Sooner fans. All right, we are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here in the home of Sooner fans on a Monday. Riverwind Casino, nearly 3,000 electronic games. They gave away $23 million in jackpots last month. Best games, best bars and dining, world-class hotel, incredible service, best promotions. Frosty Fridays are coming up. Get ready for some big drawings on Friday nights. We uh, wrapped up the uh, 100K Electric Winnings promotion on Saturday with a bunch of big-time winners. We have a show coming up Sunday night. Pete Davidson, SNL fame, will be on the Showplace Theater stage coming up Sunday night at 8 p.m. You got some tickets that are still available. You can get those at riverwind.com or at the casino box office. We have uh, other shows on the way in December at the Showplace. Lee Bryce, December 15th on a Friday. Ron White, Saturday night, December 30th. And then Midland on New Year's Eve, Sunday night, December 31st. In January, Boys to Men, Clay Walker, Joe Coy, the comedian. Later in February, Air Supply, Scotty McCreary. And then in March, comedian Jim Gaffigan. Riverwind Casino, they do it right over there. They have the best promotions and the best service and the best bars and dining Plus an incredible hotel. They're awesome. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439. The texts, as you would expect, are rolling in. That they are. <laughs> Sandy John says, Parker, you're responsible for chasing off Jeff Levy. I should add, thank you. Well, I, I, I guess if you want to hold me culpable slash give me credit, I'll, I'll take it. One way or Gosh, the, the <laughs> on that same note... Obviously, BYU blew the 18-point lead in Stillwater to Oklahoma State. And mid-game, I tweeted, folks, the poke choke is poke choking. Because at that point it was, right? And then after after you Oklahoma State. You can't say, hey, there's a no-hitter going on here. You know better than that. Yeah, and so, I, gosh, I don't know if I violated people's superstitions or what, but the second that game ended, I had people coming after me. Folks, I'm not the reason BYU blew an 18-point lead, okay? Let's just get that I clear. I would say you're about 30% culpable. Yes, and maybe 80% on Levy. But Uh, maybe that's not a bad thing. Who knows? Greg in Muskogee says, we should have seen this coming Friday with a parting shot of a jet sweep in the game. Was that the parting shot? I don't know. Did they run a jet sweep? I can't recall. I haven't rewatched it. Yeah, I I can't remember. If that was the last play, maybe that was it. From OU Med on the text line, Jeff Levy is an offensive coordinator at OU. was like a guy with a Ferrari that doesn't know how to drive a Ferrari. The concern for naming Joe John Finley as the next offensive coordinator will be like giving the Ferrari to yet another guy that doesn't know how to drive a Ferrari. What do you think? Because, like, like, I have made my opinions clear over the course of this season and beyond that, for that matter. I think Jeff Levy is an excellent offensive coordinator. Is he perfect? Is he immune from mistakes? Is he without flaw? No. But... The reason he's getting a Power 5 head coaching job is because he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. I will stand by that. Remember what happened in the 2000 campaign? Mike Leach, you know, genius offensive mind, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma wins seven games. Mike Leach gets the job at Tech. What did they do? They, They had a lot of elements of the offense. That offense still in play. But Mark Mangino also took over kind of a portion of the running game, was more into that. They got more physical the next year. 
they still had the passing game and the creativity, but they became much more physical and ran the ball more, and they won a national championship. I want to see elements of both. That's what I want to see. Worthwhile to note that in 2000, last Oklahoma won a national title, they had a first-year offensive coordinator who had never called plays at the Division One level before. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, I, I understand that maybe you want a guy that has done it before, but Joe John Finley has long been regarded, not just at Oklahoma but elsewhere, as a guy that is ready to become an offensive coordinator. And everybody, like, everybody has to start somewhere, right? And maybe your rationale on it is, well, you, but you don't start at the University of Oklahoma. That's fine, but look at some of the folks Finley has worked with over the years. Look at some of the minds that he has been shaped by. And I think if you're going to go the first-time OC route, especially because he's already been here at OU for three seasons and is familiar with everything that comes attached to and baked into OU football, I don't think you could find a first-time OC that would be as qualified for this particular position as Joe John Finley. The uh, yeah, that 2000 team, they uh, they were more physical offensively and they had obviously a tremendous defense as well that was really really good. But somebody's asking an interesting question, will Jackson Arnold play in the, play the bowl game? Would he expect Dylan Gabriel to play the bowl game? I would expect Dylan Gabriel to play the bowl game right now. Just cuz I think and look, that's not intel, that's just me knowing who Dylan Gabriel is and knowing what he's about, it doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that would bail for whatever reason on his guys before the job is completely done. Will he be on an NFL roster next year, or will he be ringing a cowbell in Starkville with Jeff Levy? You talking about Gabriel or Arnold? Talking about Gabriel. Okay. I I don't think Gabriel is back at Oklahoma in 2024. I think there's a decent chance he's a bulldog. Now, what do you say, like if, 25% or are you 50-50 sure. on yeah. that in that range? No, I don't think it's 50-50. Cause I, if I'm looking at this from a business standpoint, if I'm Dylan Gabriel right now, I'm looking at this crop of quarterbacks that's about to be NFL draft eligible and how much need there is in the league for capable quarterbacks. It, there are at least 10 or 12 NFL teams right now, Steely, that will need to draft a quarterback. Whether as a starter or as a backup, they have an immediate need at the quarterback position. And so, given the season that he just had, given where he would rank among the draft-eligible quarterbacks and how much of a need there is right now for a QB at the next level, whether as a QB1 or a QB2, I don't think Dylan Gabriel is ever going to have higher draft stock than he does right now today yeah yeah no and you know you go to Mississippi State you play a tougher schedule obviously um but the other part of that is it's a different era in college football he can also make a lot of NIL money for one more year at Mississippi State uh and maybe he wants to keep climbing that career passing chart right maybe I I think personally he would be done with college football but I I don't know I'm with you maybe a 25 percent chance he ends up at Mississippi State uh, OU Tino says, any chance we bring in a position coach for the quarterbacks regardless of who our OC is? Yeah, you're going to have to have somebody to coach quarterbacks. So, again, if you were to go external and hire somebody like Willie Korn, right? Well, okay, that's your OC slash quarterbacks coach. You replace Levy one for one. 
if you keep it in-house and let's just say you go with Joe John Finley as your play caller, then you still have a vacancy. You still have only 10 of 11 on-field coaching positions filled. The one vacancy that you would have then is at quarterback's coach. And so you could promote from within. You could go Matt Wells or J.P. Lossman or even Tanner Schaefer, mm-hmm. right? Or you could look externally and bring in a guy to coach the quarterbacks, but you're going to have to have somebody to coach the quarterbacks anyway slice. Outside the football offices right now, the uh, the one guy, you, if you could get him, that would be the best. Because I think like Ryan Grubb at Washington, I, I don't know, I don't think that would be realistic, is Huddleneke uh, from uh, Kansas, don't you think? Andy, EJ from Louisiana said, Parker, would you be willing to accept Scott Frost? I oh, mean, he, he coordinated well for a oh, while, gosh. right? I would have to delete a lot of tweets about Scott Frost. What do you think about Cottle Nicky? I think Cottle Nicky is, well, would it be a sexy hire? No, but... I, I am not one that wants They're to They're doing fall. that at Kansas. Well, exactly. Exactly. Again, like it's not it's not a hire that's going to move the needle mm-hmm. as much as some other names that have been thrown around. Like I don't think it's nearly as sexy as somebody like Willie Korn or Mike Denbrock or what have you. But I am not one who f- tends to fall into the trap of, oh, we do this because it's what is sexy. Then you're Texas A&M at that point. Yeah. Then you end up – letting your fan base shoot down the hire of a guy who's won double-digit games on multiple occasions at the University of Kentucky, a basketball school, simply because they don't think he's good enough. Also, Mark Stoops, like, how is Mark Stoops not good enough for that job, but Mike Elko is? Cliff I cannot Kings, make any of that make sense. Cliff Kingsbury is the best available quarterback coach in the country. I, I don't know that I would disagree with that. What about Cliff Kingsbury? I mean, he's out there analyzing for mule shoe. That would require some money. But somebody said, you know, Dana Holgerson, you can't find two more people that are opposite football philosophy-wise than Brent. And the only thing they share (laughs) is the love of Red Bulls, and that's it, right? Is Brent a Red Bull guy? Well, he used to be a big Red Bull guy. I think he probably still is. But uh, Brian Ferentz is available. Justin Fuente, I think there's a lot of luster off that name these days. Local Ohio says, give me Frank Reich, who just got fired yeah, as head Carolina. coach of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. No, I don't, don't think, think so. he'd be willing to go the collegiate route, but that'd be awesome. Like, I'd love Frank Reich. All right, let's break right here. 405-651-3439. The Sooners have lost one commitment, Dozi Azukama. Parker says, not related to the Levy situation. He'll explain when we get back. What about the rest of the recruiting class? Jackson Arnold's dad pretty much said it. Jackson plays at Oklahoma. Yeah, damn right he does. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here live at the University of Oklahoma where the Sooner football team is taking the field, led by the Boomer Schooner. There's defensive lineman Rondell Bathroyd. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the great offensive line coaches, Bill Biedenbaugh. The crimson and cream here in the great state of Oklahoma where the wind keeps sweeping down the range. Well, Tim, uh, should be a heck of a game if the Sooners can get by the loss of their best receiver, DJ Graham. They should be in good shape. Oh, if anyone associated with Fox Sports is listening. I will audition for Tim Brando's job. I see. I don't blame much of this on Spencer. 
I like Spencer a lot, but that and I'm not saying Tim Brando has been a solid announcer over the years. He may not be your favorite, but that was a lot, man. I was like, really, DJ Graham, best receiver. Rondell Bathroyd, like, four times. It was absolutely brutal. One of the things about covering all of the games is that I I obviously never end up watching the broadcast, so I have no context for Mm -hmm. any of what's going on. I just see tweets. And the amount of tweets that popped up on my feed on Saturday of people just lambasting Tim Brando well, he also said that, uh, Spencer, you got a lot of yardage, made a lot of plays in this conference. No, he didn't. <laughs> Never played in the Big 12. Spencer Tillman was a great Sooner. Good dude. Oh, and I think for the most part, does a good job. They didn't have their best day, but it was particularly Brando. Wallace Marsh, if you're listening, I know your buddies. But they just had a rough day. That's all I'm saying, particularly Brando. We still love you, Wallace. I, uh, I'm dying at this text. This did not come via the text line. This came via my personal line. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, let's hear it. Lebby is the perfect Mississippi State coach. He looks like a guy who has a bass boat in his driveway and loves to (laughs) eat pork rinds. (laughs) Oh, that took me out. Oh, man. You know, a good pork rind can be enjoyed every now and then, right? Oh, man. I, I can't tell you how long it's been since I had a pork rind. Not my cup of tea. Somebody, I'm glad the neck beard is gone, man. <laughs> the old pirate neck beard. Uh, somebody in the 469 asking, Parker, that wide receiver from Indiana, someone oh, you could take a look at. Yeah, the Oklahoma Sooners got Desan McCullough from Indiana mm-hmm. via the portal a year ago. Yep. This year, they may be in the market for Donovan McCulley, transfer wideout from Indiana. What's going on with Gabe Dindy? nothing right now didn't he tweet something out like i mean he did a shoulder shrug or something like that i don't know what it was it It was was when all the mark stoops crap was going down on saturday night a and m you guys are the biggest bunch of freaking idiots i mean geez you had mark stoops Mark Stoops, who won it, can who's winning at Kentucky? Yeah, and all those and all the fans are going. Well, he only wins seven, eight games a year. Yeah, at a freaking basketball school, no doubt. Do you know how hard it is his, to win at Kentucky? The only other guy who's ever won at Kentucky, his name is Bear Bryant. Yeah, and you know what? Bear Bryant left because they gave Adolph Rupp a Cadillac and they gave him a cheap wristwatch at the uh, athletic banquet, but. Mark Stoops has been banging his head on the ceiling at Kentucky for years now. It's a lower ceiling. Well, he's not sexy enough. Well, Mike Elko is. I mean, if they're walking down the runway, I'm saying that Mark Stoops is sexier than Mike Elko, in my opinion. You're talking about from a football perspective, right? Yes, I mean, not like they're wearing Victoria's Secret okay, stuff yeah, you know, yeah. or anything, but you know what I just mean. I want to clarify. I mean, that that just kills me that, you know, it's actually really a good thing for OU. And I think Elko might do a, a pretty good job, but A&M will get, they always get in their own way, all the time. But Mark Stoops at A&M, that could have been a major problem. It could have been such a problem that Mark Stoops 
might have been disliked by Sooner fans, creating an issue with Bob on all the media outlets now around town that, um, I don't know, like I, like I said, maybe maybe Mike Elko will be all right, but when I saw Mark Stoops, they had Mark Stoops, and they let, you know, A&M, A&M, that whole situation. I'm like, first of all, I felt bad for Mark, but he's he's done a great job. They revere him at Kentucky. Oh, he's got – infinite job yeah, security there he absolutely as he should i i honestly think mark stoops is better off coaching kentucky than coaching at a&m maybe it's better that mark actually you know i'm sure he would have made a couple million dollars more per year or whatever i'm sure he's doing fine at kentucky but you go in that a&m environment and you come out of there you maybe are never the same well because and, you're thinking i just got out of the craziest freaking place well and elko's in college football elko's been at a&m before he has right? yeah and yeah. so i think the difference between him and mark stoops is you bring in mark stoops you're gonna have to surrender control to mark stoops mm-hmm. and a lot of the folks involved with that a&m program don't want to take their hands off the wheel and just let a coach do his thing also many on the text line have pointed out the fact that Tim Brando also committed the unforgivable sin of calling Adrian Peterson AP oh, yeah. you as know, opposed I, to AD. I almost expect that now from uh, announcers outside of Oklahoma. But, yeah, it was a tough day in the booth. It was a tough day. Maybe Mark Stoops turned down the job. Maybe he did, yeah. Maybe they put some parameters on it. We don't know exactly what went down, but when I saw that A&M basically had Mark Stoops, I was thinking, man, they messed that up. But I'm also thinking – Mark Stoops at A&M could have been a big problem. All right. Thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. Another hour still ahead here on The Ref. I think you guys know what we're talking about. What is going to happen with the OUOC position after Jeff Levy takes the – Head coaching job at Mississippi State University. That's what we're talking about. Hour number two presented by Oklahoma Generator. They will do great work for you. Setting you up with a great generator. They're Oklahoma's most experienced service and sales staff. They're the highest rated, longest operating Generac dealer. And they're offering new customer discounts right now, plus a free 10-year warranty with new installations. It's getting colder out there. Might have one of those ice storms. You lose electricity. You can't do that. The kids, you know, if their Wi-Fi goes down, they were literally cry if they can't get on Instagram and X and everything else. You know what I'm saying? TikTok especially. Call Oklahoma Generator at 405-321-6631, or you can check out their great deals online at okgen.com. All right. Exciting audio last night from Starkville, Mississippi, as Jeff Lebby landed at the airport. Lebby and the Jets. Lebby and the Jets speaking to the uh, Mississippi State uh, fans who were gathered there, and uh, here's how some of it sounded. For a long time, State was uh, it was a great, cool, awesome place to go to school. Cool is State. Swag is State. And we're going to bring it right back to where people are. What was he trying to say there? I'm kind of confused by the message. I don't know. But the cowbells were out. Later, he got an incredible reaction when he said this, of course. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. There you go. 
He should have actually done that. He should have he grabbed should the mic have. coming off the plane and quoted Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. He, I don't think he's edgy enough for that, though. Lebs, and nothing against it. Lebs just kind of a down-to-earth country boy. That's his demeanor. What would you say it has been the overall reaction to the departure of Jeff Levy? Sooner fans, are they happy, more happy, or more sad? There's not a lot of alarm. And I think that's to be expected because most folks understand that the recruiting fallout is not going to be too substantial. And that's always what you worry about when a coach leaves, right? As well, how does this affect recruiting? It's one of the few few instances where asking that question, how does it affect recruiting, actually makes sense. But I think with the knowledge that you know Michael Hawkins is a legacy and the rest of the OU staff have done a great job of making sure he's locked in, is, knowing Kevin Sperry. Is moved. Kevin Sperry going to leave? Surely he'll leave. Dude, he moved to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be – very, very surprised if any of the Sooners three quarterback commits, Michael Hawkins, Brendan Zerbrug, Kevin Sperry, mm-hmm. even entertain other schools. I believe all three of those guys, from having talked to sources about it over the last 48 hours, are all the way on board with Oklahoma, and it will remain that way. So I think, and, and I'm glad to see this being the case, because my one critique of this fan base in general is always that they are overly hysterical about some things which you know mm-hmm. not exclu- not an issue that's exclusive to Oklahoma fans but it's I just do how think fans operate. that's a blue blood fan base right sure. their expectations are undefeated um so yeah and Parker like I said really since I've been well doing some form of a talk show since 85 uh been doing this since 83 but guess what every coordinator gets grilled every single one of them they hated Kelvin Wilson for a long time. He had one of the best offenses in the country. But, you know, if you have a couple games and the offense sputters or whatever, they're after you. Um, so, anyway, I mean, they they wanted to fire Barry Switzer before, you know, in the, like, 82, 83 seasons. 83, they came back a little bit. But in that, you know, there were, there were some people who wanted to do that. That's just, you know, when you have a passionate fan base, we see it every every day here on the text line. Um, you know, that's going to be part of it. Now, in terms of recruiting so far, the only decommitment has been Dozie Azucama, and you said it's not related to no the Levy situation. No, that is not related to the Levy situation at all. I was told that this morning from a source that is as good as it gets on the Dozie Azucama recruitment. That is not related to Jeff Levy's departure as offensive coordinator, and that is the first and thus far only decommitment of the entire 2024 cycle for Oklahoma. Is there so. anybody else in a precarious spot in terms of? Right now, no. So you don't think there's really anybody on that list that you see that could be, eh, maybe you worry about this kid at all? No, no. I'm not really worried about anybody else right now. Um, and come to think, you know, Dozy was one of those guys that we just didn't pay a ton of attention to after he committed because, you know, he's a quiet kid, keeps to himself. Uh, but the thing about that recruitment that I failed to realize until this morning as I thought about it, I was like, wait a second. He never visited OU again after his initial commitment. So in having conversations with folks that are plugged into that recruitment earlier today, uh, I kind of got the sense that this had been a long time coming, and maybe 
all that Dozy was waiting on was something, some shoe to drop that would give him a plausible out at Oklahoma to make it seem like it's not just completely out of the blue, mm-hmm. right? He didn't just bail. Yeah. And so I think from a PR perspective, Lebby's departure was it, – it provided a natural juncture for Ezekama to hop out of the boat. And I would expect him to land at TCU right now. That's kind of where I believe that one's headed. Um, as far as OU is concerned, where they go from there, look, they've already got four receivers committed outside of Dozy. That was a chock-full wide receiver class as is. I don't think that's a spot that they necessarily have to fill. And if they do fill it with somebody, it'll be Terry Bussey. That's probably right now the only guy. Oh, yeah, Bussey, yeah. Would. Who knows what's going to happen there. And right? if, if they fail to sway him from Texas A&M, which I think the Elko hire is a good hire in the sense that you keep a lot of the class together because so many of those commits are going to be familiar with him from his previous tenure at A&M. So I, I wouldn't bet on Bussey reopening his recruitment and with that in mind i would start looking towards the portal and figuring what watch what wide receivers become available via the portal over the next week or two and some of the more high profile names i would imagine are guys that oklahoma is going to at least kick the tires with and the uh, the kid who uh entered the portal that said he's leaving a&m right now december 4th is the portal but who is the kid the wide receiver from A&M? Donovan McCulley. Okay. Indiana. It's from Indiana. That's, that's, the, oh, that's the one. Yeah. But I thought there was one from A&M, though, also. Oh, uh, Raymond Cottrell yeah, is yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. you're thinking of. Yeah, I don't think OU's Not going to happen there. Um, By the way, here's uh, recruiting is very important. Here's a different kind of recruiting. Keeping Billy Bowman. Keeping Danny Stutzman. You know, Guys like that. Who else? Is Andrew Anthony in that boat also? I th- right now, I, I don't think you're keeping Tyler Guyton. Yeah, no, he's he's done. I think Andrew Rame is done as well. Now, there was only one other junior who went through senior day this past Friday, and that was L.V. Bunkley Shelton. So the okay. five guys that aren't officially categorized as seniors uh, that went through the festivities, those three guys were Guyton, Rame and L.V. Bunkley-Shelton. Now, I don't think you're keeping Guyton at this rate. I don't think you're keeping Rame. I think there's a decent chance he keeps Stutzman and Bowman. I, if, if you made me put money down, I'd say both of those guys are back. Yeah. Uh, Jada Coleman will be playing her last year, though, right? I mean, there's always, I don't know, there's always grad school. There's opportunities where she could play for the Spark here or wherever. But uh, and we need uh, you know their firstborn uh, kid committed into Oklahoma right now. Put the scholarship offer out there, and uh, as soon as the baby is delivered, the doctor hands the scholarship offer to the Bowman's kid. Oh gosh, this just came across my Twitter feed on a very random note. All right, tweet from Brett McMurphy, everyone's favorite poke. Delaware is moving from the FCS to the FBS. Are we going to have like 150 FBS schools? The Blue Hens, baby! Don't they have the same looking uniforms as Michigan? I think they do. Yeah, they do. We're going to have like 150 FBS teams by the end of the decade. Joe Flacco? Delaware? Yeah, he's the most notable Delaware football alum by far. But like, what, what are we doing letting Delaware into the FBS? I'm sorry, but like, how do you expect that program to compete? 
No, no, no. I, no, I, no. I, I don't want to get off on a tangent. Um, Slim Brady asks, Evan Stewart entering the portal. There's a chance. We'll see. That comes, uh, and I'll, I'll just be straight with y'all, whether or not Evan Stewart enters the portal is contingent more upon money than any, anything else. Is Texas A&M going to follow through on some of the stuff that they've promised him? Yeah. A 918 listener says, I do get a kick out of Parker calling recruits kids. I have underwear older than Parker. <laughs> Maybe it's time for a new package of Hanes. The, uh, by the way. Loom, Whatever your favorite brand is, I think maybe it's time to get some new underwear. You know who dodged a, uh, the biggest bullets on sports radio this week? Who's that now? The uh, because of all the Jeff Levy stuff, Josh Giddy, and then the uh, the announcing team, Fox announcing team. Although we are we did comment about that for a little bit, but that would be that would be all over the radio. And who knows what's going on with the Giddy situation? I don't think they play him if this is a serious deal, but. You know, then all of a sudden, any OU football news that drops that's this big, all of a sudden, that takes over. That takes over big time. Okay, why don't we take a quick break right here. We'll get to nothing but your texts in the next segment. 405-651-3439. What a job by Porter Moser and company in San Diego. 6-0, and baby. That's right. Looking okay, good. Way with the tip in. USC's got some players, man. They play Arkansas Pine Bluff Thursday at the LNC. 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Keep it right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Jesse Crittenden coming up at 135, Riverwind Casino Hotline. Speaking of Riverwind Casino, big show coming up this Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday night at the showplace. Pete Davidson, the comedian, he has a big following. And he will be at the Showplace Theater. Hide your kids, hide your wives. That's right. Well, your daughters, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he'll be there. Great execution of the comedy routine, I'm sure. Uh, for Pete Davidson coming up this Sunday night, Lee Bryce uh, will be happening Friday, December 15th at the Showplace Theater. Ron White, December 30th on a Saturday. He's awesome. Midland will put on a great show on New Year's Eve, Sunday, December 31st. Tickets available at Riverwind.com. And you can get those tickets also at the casino box office. There's always something happening at Riverwind Casino. Nearly 3,000 electronic games now. They've got the best promotions, best bars and dining. It is always a great experience out there. If you haven't seen the newly renovated gaming floor out there, you're missing out. It's, it's really, really nice. We just finished up with a 100K electric winnings promotion. Now we've got the... Uh, Big-time giveaway on the Frosty Fridays promotion. Get out there Monday, Tuesday, play with your wild card, rack up the extra entries for the drawings on Friday as they are giving away another, another big pile of cash and bonus play in this promotion at Riverwind Casino. Okay, let's get to as many texts as we can. We're trying to keep up, people. Ah, it's the just text tough. line. It, it is, is crazy. Popping. Hey, by the way, uh, Drake Dyken set us straight. He uh, he said that the, uh, the Sooner game is at McCasland against Arkansas Pine Bluff coming up Thursday. Not the oh, that's right. That is the McCaffrey so, game. Yes. Fun stuff. That's where I started watching OU games. I can still remember when they – I watched Lon Kruger play for Kansas State, man. That's how old I am. Um, wow, you are old. And Holy then smokes. He also mentioned that Rich Gannon played at Delaware. Rich Gannon, who was the quarterback for the Raiders when they yeah, lost well, to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, right? Th- things I would not have guessed without looking it up. A – 
Rich Gannon went to the University of Delaware. Mm-hmm. B, Rich Gannon was an NFL MVP. Yeah. I had crazy. no idea that happened. Mark Mosley won an NFL MVP award, didn't he? The, the old kicker for the Redskins? Did he really? I think he did. Okay, I'm fact-checking you on this. Go I, ahead. I don't doubt you because you have go enough. Ahead. Go ahead and Google it up. Obscure trivia. Who are you, John Hoover? Go ahead and Google it up. All right. Okay, go ahead, Google it up. NFL Most Valuable Player, 1982. How in the world? I know. A kicker. It was a strike-shortened season. But he won the MVP as a kicker. He I thought it was a stupid leading... question then. think it's a stupid question now, by the way. He became the first-place kicker to ever win the NFL MVP. He made a league-leading 20 of 21 field goals, a then-record 95.2% success rate. Do you see what happened that I am so petty that Drake Dykin tied, tried to top us, so I figured we needed to top Drake Dykin right back with a great piece of trivia. Oh, here's, a, here's an interesting piece of trivia about Mark Mosley. Mm-hmm. He was the last straight-ahead yes, kicker he was. in the NFL. I, can you believe that? Man, back back in my day, they used to kick straight on all the time. Tom frickin' Dempsey with half a foot. And he nailed what? He he had the record for a long time with like Yeah, 63. he hit a 63-yarder. Yeah. That record stood for a long, long time. Yeah, it did. Matt Prater eventually broke it. He hit from 64, I want to say that was 2013. And then, of course, you had Justin Tucker a couple years back from Who's your 66. favorite kicker of all time? My favorite kicker of all time. Huh. Gary, Gary Uprimian? That is long before my before time. Before the great pass he threw in the Super Bowl against the Redskins? Long before my time. Um, I'm trying to think. Kickers. I don't know if I have a favorite kicker. You can't really identify with kickers the way you can other positions. Sebastian Janikowski was pretty cool for a while and then we found out that he was you know he was what well serving like some drugs to females oh really uh it was alleged i don't know if that was ever convicted but it was like okay, okay he's yeah, he's pretty creepy okay you know i'm gonna go with uva von shaman of course okay let's go to the text line kw the 918 says my favorite kicker of all time is ou's kicker next year <laughs> Somebody asked, did I just hear Steely cracking and peeling deviled eggs? No. What? I hate deviled eggs. They're evil. Shay loves them and she makes them in the deviled eggs. She always, whenever we go to Red Rock, she orders those all the time. Really? The deviled egg turns me into a nuclear power plant, so I don't go anywhere (laughs) near them. It's Chernobyl City. Uh, Local Ohio says, Delaware to the FBS, Rutgers is shaking in their boots. (laughs) Another listener points out, get ready for 10 new bowl games next season with the influx of FCS teams getting promoted. What are we thinking? You think uh, most likely scenario is Oklahoma, Arizona in the Alamo? I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it, like we all have our guesses right now, but what happens this weekend could go a long way towards completely upturning a lot of our best laid plans. Slash guesses about where Oklahoma's going to play in bowl season. Who are you rooting for this weekend? Like, what would be best case scenario for Oklahoma? Like, here's the thing. 
I mean, if they you're already got play- a dagger of the hearts uh, last weekend, so basically it was it was a bloody death for the Sooners over the weekend. Is what it was. Well, here's here's the thing though, Steely. If you want to play in a New Year's Six bowl, you kind of have to hope Texas ends up in the college football playoff mm-hmm. field. Yeah. So like, we're, I that's, think that's oh, quite the paradox. I don't know. Am I wrong? I might say it's 60-40 people rooting for Texas this weekend because of the way things went down in Stillwater. And, look, give OSU credit. They find ways to win. And you can talk about the refs or whatever, but they they got a near knockout punch from BYU and came back to win. But I, I think there are some Sooner fans out there that in most years would say, yeah, come on. I don't like rooting for Oklahoma State, but bring it back to Oklahoma, the the T-SIPs in Austin. But I think the double dagger of losing Bedlam the way that Oklahoma did and then seeing Oklahoma State win the Big 12 in the Sooners' last season of the Big 12, even though Oklahoma has crushed the Big 12 like Godzilla trampling Tokyo, that would be painful. That's my guess. 1918 listener on the text line says, Parker, this is Steely's dream matchup. He can root for both of the teams in the Big 12 that championship. That true. He loves Texas and Oklahoma State. Just because I picked Texas does not mean, look, I married a Longhorn. I know how that did not go well. So Steely's, Steely's the polar opposite of Sandra Bullock. He loves that gaudy orange. <laughs> oh, I'm not rooting for anybody. See, I've been miscast now as some OSU guy. I have friends who were pokes, but, you know, cool some cool people there that I like. That's fine. But what do you think if you put that poll out there? Did we do that last week? Who would you root for? We talked about it a little bit. I don't know if we put an actual poll out there. Well, I feel like at this point, most OU fans would say, yeah, it feels weird to be pulling for Texas. Didn't imagine I would ever find myself doing that. But if you're an OU fan, you already have the claim to superiority here in 2023 because mm-hmm. you won the head-to-head. And so at this point, you can hold that over Texas fans' heads for the remainder of the season, regardless of what happens the rest of the yeah, week. Right? Yeah. As long as Texas right. doesn't win the national championship, you can say, well, <laughs> however far you go, guess what? We still beat you. We still got you. Shay so, tweeted out some picture, a cartoon of a longhorn sharpening its horns after OSU won. I'm like, oh, no. Well, here we go. And if if Texas wins, I think the reason a lot of OU fans, whether they would admit it or not, will be cheering for Texas this weekend is because, A, they want to see Oklahoma State get, get what's coming to them. They want to see this bizarre yet – somewhat magical Oklahoma State run come to an end. I don't know how Mike Gundy does it, man. I really don't. Because he does not have a very good football team. I know, and Ollie they Gordon just win. was they just find ways to win. Bowman played like, you know, freaking Patrick Mahomes against OU. And he looked like Alan Bowman. Alan I mean he looked he was so bad in the first half, it was ridiculous. But then Kalani Sataki, what are you doing? You 
were being aggressive, and then you started playing not to lose. You and play to win give, the game. Give Oklahoma State credit. You know, you knew they would fight back, but BYU went in a shell. Because later when they needed to move the football, right, what happened? They started moving the football again. So, If Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 championship, then little brother can say, hey, not only did we beat you in your last year in the Big 12, but then we won the conference championship too. But if Texas wins, again, regardless of how far Texas ends up stretching this thing, you can always say, well, your program's best season since you played for the national championship in 2009, guess what happened? Smack dab in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, we beat you head-to-head. I mean, that, it's painful, but bottom line is Oklahoma crushed this league over its duration. Uh, they ac- absolutely dominated this league with one of the blue bloods of college football in the league. So, yeah, it's painful for Sooner fans. I get it. Is but, it 14? You know, here, is it 14, 14 conference titles yeah, 14, in the Big 12? Yeah. So, Oklahoma will have left. Or they will leave the Big 12 after 28 years in the conference, essentially averaging a conference title every two seasons. Yep. Every other year, Oklahoma wins the league. Scary Gary says, I hope the game gets canceled. I know a lot of people don't think they have a shot against the Horns, and I I really don't either. Xavier Worthy, injuries. Arch got in over the weekend. He did. He looked. We saw Arch for the first time. Okay, I guess. All right, we got a break right here. 405-651-3439. Coming up next, we have uh, Jesse Crittenden on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. By the way, our uh, Ortho Central Clips of the Week were the uh, two Jeff Levy clips. One where we also had Christopher Walken as Jeff Levy. But thanks to Ortho Central for all their support. We'll be right back here on The Ref. All right, Jesse Crittenden will be joining us here in one second. By the way, and this is going to anger people, but I think you liked it too. I would uh, like to congratulate the Longhorns for the trolling job on Brett Yormark at that game Friday night. To put that video up on the screen, (laughs) that was tremendous. With Brett Yormark in attendance, that was a A A-plus trolling job. You know, the comment about, I'll be there, you know, that night after Thanksgiving, and you better do what Look you do this. right Hook here. Look at Steely again. What you got to admit, that was awesome, was <laughs> I it know, not? Yes. And no, then, it was awesome. Then to wipe right into, you know, C in, the C in Arlington graphic, well done. I wonder if your mark was there at the time. He had to still be there, right? Hopefully. I'm I don't know, ready. man, but. The tiny 12, you know what? We don't need to be in the minor leagues anymore, right? Tech played such an awful game. They were brutal. Like, I'm so glad watching that game. Watching that game in the first half, I was like, "Goodness gracious, Texas is trying to let this get close, aren't they?" Like Texas was giving Tech every opportunity to stay in Mm -hmm. that game. Yep, and Tech just continually. uh, I I almost used a euphemism I shouldn't use on air, but they they didn't do what they needed to do to hang with the Longhorns. They did not. Good riddance to Texas freaking Tech, the Sand Aggies. Never, let's never see them on the schedule ever again. No trips to Lubbock expect, except to go to the Buddy Holly Museum. No That's tortillas. It. That's right. Okay, Jesse Crittenden joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. All right, Jesse. Uh, what do you think? New offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. It's got to happen fairly quickly. Are you thinking in-house? What are you What are you thinking? 
how long this might take? Just general thoughts on uh, the OC opening now at OU and what's going on. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear to me that obviously this is going to be a really extensive search. I think that's the way Brent Venables does things. I think he's he's certainly going to look in-house. He's certainly going to look at, at, at other candidates outside the program, and I think there's a bunch in, in both camps that could be um, suitable replacements, but you know, to me, I, I think all indications are this is this is likely going to be an in-house uh, promotion and replacement. I think you know, going into the SEC, th- this isn't a normal coaching search. This is uh, obviously a you know, a, the offensive coordinator is a crucial part of any program, but this isn't a normal coaching search. This is you know, trying to to make sure recruiting is stabilized. This is moving into an entirely new conference with a whole. You know, different set of circumstances, a whole new ball game, really. And I think it's pretty clear that Brent Venables is going to is going to, you know, emphasize consistency. He's going to emphasize stability. And there's a lot of good candidates in house. I think. I mean, I think it makes sense for not only the players on, you know, currently on the roster, but the players coming in for there to be some continuity between, you know, what the, the coaching staff has had the last two years and and what they want going in. Uh, to the program or going into the future. So uh, there's a lot of things that could happen. I think we're going to know, you know, like you mentioned, fairly quickly. Um, But I I think there's a lot of suitable candidates in-house. I think Brett Venables likes bringing guys into the program and eventually, you know, getting them, you know, higher up, uh, you know, in coaching staff positions. I think you're going to see that here too. Shameless plug on my behalf and Jesse's. If you want all the insider intel on Oklahoma's OC search, its impact on recruiting and what have you, then head to OUinsider.com right now. You can sign up through the end of the day with promo code RIVALS2023 to get 75% off your annual subscription. That'll get you all the juice behind the scenes on OU football, OU basketball, and OU recruiting for less than $3 a month. Now, Jesse, let's, let's assume for the sake of the argument here, for the sake of the hypothetical, let's say Oklahoma looks externally for their next OC. Give us, oh, say three names that you feel like make sense for this vacancy if it comes from outside the program right now? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. And that's why, I mean, as much as we can talk about the in-house candidates and and what, you know, and, and, the, and there are several viable candidates in-house, um, but there are a lot of guys outside the program that, that make a lot of sense. I mean, you think about someone like, uh, you know, Sonny Cumbie, a guy that's, that's kind of been – out of the game for a little bit. I think he's a guy, you know, Mike Denbrock is another guy that I think uh, makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, as an outside hire. I think those are guys that, you know, obviously have familiarity uh, with Oklahoma, with Brent Venables. Uh, you know, I, I think there's there's going to be a lot of a lot of external candidates. I, I think this is obviously going to be a super extensive search, but I think those are a couple of guys. There, there's really a ton of names you could throw in there, but I think those are a couple of guys that, that makes sense that have experience calling plays. That's the other thing. It's not only about uh, being an architect behind the offense, but also, you know, calling plays. I think those are a couple of guys you could, you could easily look at. All right. As for the uh, TCU game, which is crazy, we've, we've hardly even talked about it, but uh, Dylan Gabriel was really good. Um, You know, you look at his numbers overall in the season and uh, you know, they're pretty, pretty darn impressive for DG. Um, he had, uh, what was it, I think, total touchdowns on the season, uh, 42 total touchdowns, and I think, uh, what was it, six picks, I believe, maybe seven 
on the touchdown for uh, on interceptions for the season, forty-two and six with thirty total uh, passing touchdowns and moving up the charts. What do you think? Do you think there's three options? Dylan Gabriel goes to the NFL draft. Dylan Gabriel follows Jeff Levy to Starkville, or C. Dylan Gabriel wants to come back to Oklahoma. Yeah, I, there are. I mean, you you laid it out there, but I think the reality is that the most unlikely scenario to me is is, is Dylan Gabriel coming back uh, for a sixth and final season at, at Oklahoma. I think Brent Venables has, has honestly telegraphed uh, the plans for this program moving forward. I think he's he's telegraphed that pretty publicly. I mean, even before the season started, uh, he mentioned the transition to have Jackson Arnold be the starting quarterback. Uh, next season as the program uh, goes into the SEC. Uh, I think, you know, there's even he was asked about it after the TCU game, and he basically said everything has its time. To me, that was an opportunity. If if that was in the interest of Brent Venables to have him, to have Dylan Gabriel come back, that was an opportunity uh, to basically give a full endorsement of Dylan Gabriel's return uh, to the program. So, I, I mean, you know, I think there is a decent chance that, you know, I, I think he has, boosted his draft stock absolutely uh, from a year ago. By all accounts, this was a fantastic season from Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he's he's at the top of the you know the country in nearly every statistical category. I think there is that argument um, that he could try his luck in, in a draft that doesn't have a ton of quarterbacks on it. Um, but to me, I think in some ways it makes most sense uh, for him to you know to do uh, a six year of college football. Obviously, he he gave a ringing endorsement of Jeff Levy. After the game, you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see him follow uh, Jeff Levy to Mississippi State. Obviously, they have an open quarterback spot there. Um, so that would, you know, that would make a ton of sense. But to me, I think that the least likely scenario is, is Dylan Gabriel coming back for a sixth season. I think this program is clearly ready for Jackson Arnold to take the reins. And I, I think they've been on, honestly pretty clear about that the entire season. Let's talk about the transfer portal, Jesse. We are one week away from the portal officially opening. At that point, it'll be open season. College football's version of free agency will officially be upon us. So as we look at needs for Oklahoma, which would you say are the maybe two or three positions of the most need that you would like to see Oklahoma shore up via the portal? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, to me, I think, I think tied in, is going to be a huge one, uh, you know. Obviously, with uh, with with Stogner um, likely leaving, I think you know there's there that tight end depth has been an issue all season. I think tight end is going to be a big one. I think receiving is actually uh, the the wide receiver room is actually I think in some ways going to be an interesting one. Obviously, with Drake Stoops leaving, I mean by the end of the season, Drake Stoops was easily uh, the number one guy. I think there are you know there are guys in that in that room that, you know, I think Jaden Gibson is, is an obvious candidate for, for more snaps next season, but I think they need wide receiver depth. We didn't really see that this year. And I think Drake Stoops leaving uh, is going to be a, a huge, uh, that's going to be, that's going to have a huge impact on the offense. I think they're going to need, uh, you know, some, some experienced guys uh, in that room. And you look defensively, I think the defensive line, particularly defensive tackle, um, is going to be a huge is going to be a huge need. I mean, with Rondell Bothroyd leaving, uh, you know, exhausting his his eligibility with guys like you know Jordan Kelly and Jonah Aulu, uh, exhausting their eligibility. I think the defensive line really might be uh, the, the biggest you know place of need. That is where the coaching staff put a lot of their efforts in the transfer portal last year. I think you're going to see that 
um, again. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see the offensive line. I mean, obviously, guys like Tyler Guyton uh, and Andrew Rain can head, you know, for the draft if they want to. But, you know, you're still going to lose Walter Rouse. You're going to lose Caleb Schaefer. So, I mean, I think the offensive line is a big one. So, to me, it's, it's really both lines. It's the both lines of scrimmage and uh, tight end and wide receiver. Uh, but really, I think it's going to be less I think there's going to be less need than there was last offseason to upgrade through the portal. Uh, and I think OU is going to have more depth at, at different positions than they did last year. But heading into the SEC, I think those are a few positions this, this coaching staff is really going to need to shore up. Good stuff, Jesse. Appreciate you, man. We will uh, <clears throat> we'll talk to you next Monday. Have a good one. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, joining us here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. By the way, congratulations, Porter Moser. You made it. Look, Ma, top of the world. You are 25th in the country in the new AP college basketball poll. Oklahoma 6-0 comes in at number 25 in the country. Purdue, which beat Marquette in Maui. And um, Marquette, of course, beat Kansas. Purdue is number one. Arizona 2, Marquette 3. Connecticut 4, KU 5. Oklahoma Sooners, who won those two games in Triangle, are... 6-0 and again in 25 in the country. Be right back. Keep it here on The Ref. All right, we are back. Thanks again to uh, Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring our second hour here on Steel Man and Thune, home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. You know who's extremely annoying and is going to be the Texas Tech of the SEC? Any guesses? I think I know where you're going here. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say mm-hmm. it is either Missouri or Mississippi State. It's Missouri. Okay. I mean, Eli freaking 10-2. and two. Theo Weiss is there, too, of course. Luther Burden was on his way, it looked like, to OU, right? He was on his way to yeah. OU. He was committed. That's right. Didn't happen. Who else was uh, in that? Uh, it was Luther Burden. Jordan Hudson. Jordan Hudson. And Talon Talon Chetron, who went to Oklahoma State to be with his brother there in Stillwater. And is not doing much of anything for them. Missouri. Which I'm surprised by. Oh, my gosh. They're annoying. They, ugh. These little bitty punks, you know, that get one sucker punch season in and then start talking trash, they've got to be put in their place. Missouri. You got like a 50,000 seat stadium, all right? I'm old and cranky. What can I say? They just annoy me. Yeah, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed on this Monday. You doing okay emotionally? No. Like, it, no. The thing is, I'm not. Yeah, a- anniversaries, whether we're conscious of them or not, tend to bring out emotions that we have a hard time processing or mm-hmm. that are unexpected. Yeah. And tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of Mule Shoe's departure, so they're going to get just, Jim Leonard, aren't they? It kind of feels. That oh way. my! Geez. Can the meteor just hit now? I mean, <laughs> great text from Stillwater Sooner. Drink which looks like one of the Muppets. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like it. Missouri, I mean, all the way back to Chase freaking Daniel, Booger Boy, they're just annoying. And they were beaten like a rented mule back in the Big 8 and the Big 12 days. 
And now they're having, you know, one season they get Williams Winery. I am angry. I'm going to go. Are there clouds out there right now? I'm getting I'm getting up. I'm going. Hey, you got four more minutes here. Okay. All right. Finish the show. Then you can yell at however many clouds you want to. A listener in the 405 asks, would Patty Gasso qualify as an in-house hire for <laughs> offensive coordinator? Wait a minute. Is somebody asking for John Gruden? Somebody was saying chances that Gruden becomes the Hoosiers head coach. Oh, okay. Is that a thing? I haven't checked Twitter lately. Uh, 918 listener says, my fiance is an Oklahoma State graduate, and she expressed strong disdain towards me because I was actively cheering for BYU. I'll begrudgingly cheer for Oklahoma State over Texas, but deep down, I hope Jerry Jones forgot to pay the electric bill at Jerry World. Well, you had to, if you're a Sooner, you had to be cheering for BYU, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch watching the game with my wife because for the first time in forever, I had, no, I had nothing going on on a Saturday. So I'm sitting there watching the game. did that feel good, by the way? Yeah, and she's going, why are you so invested? Because she has no rooting interest in anything. She just watches football to watch it. And... She's going, why are you so invested in the game? Why are you cheering so hard for BYU? Didn't they just play OU last week? I'm like, yeah, but I want to cover another game next weekend. I want to go spend my Saturday at Jerry World. Sure you do. Sure you do. Shay was, uh, you know, Shay's got MS, but she can jump out of her chair if uh, USC gives up a big play or BYU is doing what they were doing in the first half. But it didn't last. Cowboys found a way. I'm uh, I'm living the single life for the next two and a half weeks, and not because my wife left me after the BYU. Game. Well, that's because you said Winery well, a- was like seventy five percent, and people told her, you know. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's out in Las Vegas for training with the Air Force for the next two and a half weeks. Really, so I am once again effectively a bachelor. You are going to drink some. Hardcore Olipops. Oh man. man, I've already I've already put down three of them since she left. Taking yesterday. the old records off the shelf. It's risky business. It would it's way it's an old movie. But so anyway. Okay. Uh let's get a few more in. Scary Gary says, I heard Levy was taking the first jet sweep out of Norman. <laughs> That's pretty good, Gary. From, like the, it. from the 580, it says, <laughs> we uh, we take a lot of jabs at places like Tech and Mizzou for a program that keeps hiring from them. Maybe that's part of why we aren't elite, especially in the trenches. They're just annoying. That's all I'm saying. You know, I, somebody uh, said, we keep hearing that Brent is a defensive genius. How is it that in the last two games of the regular season, the linebackers are completely clueless? Linebacker play was not good Friday. And we haven't talked a lot about that game because mm-hmm. we've all been caught up in the levy drama. And the levy breaks, man. And the levy did break. Yes, it did. But He broke for Starkville. I, even Danny Stutzman had some issues, as good as know, he's man. been all year. But Canick still looks – half the time he looks like, man, that guy's going to be a player. In that, and then it's like, man, that guy's lost completely. So – 69 points is 69 points, though. I mean. The Teddy Lehman classic. I know, man. Levy went out with a flourish. (laughs) That's right. Shout out to Billy Bowman for coming up with that final touchdown. There you go. What a stud, man. Three pick sixes. Tremendous. Most in the nation. Yeah. All right. We got to get out of here. Make way for uh, Tyler to get in here so you can get locked in. Bring back Mark Mangino. I'm all for it. Bring back Marky Mark 
in the Funky Bunch. That would be awesome. All right. Keep sawing wood. we got to get out of here. Thanks again to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Pete Davidson on the Showplace Theater stage this Sunday night, 8 p.m. Some tickets available at riverwind.com and at the casino box office. Also, thanks to Oklahoma Generator. And thanks to you guys, the Ref Army. You guys are awesome. Have a great rest of your Monday.